I'm Jasmine. And I'm Erica. And this is Church Days, a call and response to Christianity and the culture. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Church Days. I'm Melina. Oh, we're, oh okay. Yes, this we're is still Jasmine doing again. Roll we're call. still doing roll call. Okay, this is Jasmine. Is everyone present? Erica. Hey. <laughs> Erica and Jasmine. 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 Jasmine always goes second. One one of these days, yes, I'm Erica's Jasmine. Gonna, because gonna I want I want mine to be a surprise. Whatever I'm going to say, I just want it to be a surprise. <laughs> That's fair. Oh my gosh, hilarious! You be you, girl. I will. Thank you for um, because I know I'm a strange bird. Thank you for letting me be this strange bird without judgment. <laughs> without judgment. You know what it actually reminded me of? This is very random. Did you ever see Tyre, the uh, Tyra Banks' movie? I think it was on like Disney. It was like- um, Life Size? Life Size, Oh yes. my gosh. <laughs> and it reminded me of- I did Shine didn't. bright, shine far, don't be shy, be a star. Where you live, where you are, be a star. That was the there song was, in it. There was a sequel as well. It was? Oh God. They Why? made a sequel. Because what was the first one about? What was the first one about? Tyra she Banks was, like, was a Barbie that came to life. Came alive. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay Lohan was the child. Could have been. Maybe. Sounds right. I mean, that would that would be age appropriate for a, a Disney, Disney movie. Yeah. Yes. Called Life yeah. Size. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, when we said "Be You, Girl," and I was like, "Oh, that reminded me of that song for some reason." So. Now I, I'm going to pull up the trailer just to see it. Fixing giggles. <laughs> it might be on Disney Plus. It might be, and I have Disney Plus, so we will definitely be. Um, looking that up and i'm probably gonna dream about it i don't know do you guys ever have deja vu yeah i have you never do? had deja vu what you haven't no do you know what it is <laughs> yeah i know what it is okay this, this never happened to me what yeah. it happens to you jasmine all the time i don't say what do you think time? it means i don't know so like sometimes i'm like did i have a dream about this did i have like Obviously, I've been here in this. Pl- I feel like I've been here in this place before mm-hmm. and had this experience before, but I don't know. And like what space was it subconsciously? Was it in a dream state? Mm-hmm. Was am I prophesying? Just kidding. Maybe that let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I have think? deja vu all the time, like pretty frequent and it's scary so like I looked up a definition and it's a feeling of having already experiencing experienced the present situation um and it I think it's French right deja vu is that French that sounds, that sounds, sounds right. French mm-hmm. yeah. it's not English so anyway um <laughs> um but I have it a lot and I also feel like in my dreams I get warnings or like visions like Sometimes it's like a soft, still voice. And sometimes it's like very clear. And, um, and sometimes my dreams, like I've, I've actually experiencing something like this right this second. And I'm not going to talk about it until after, but I'm going through a dream I had right now, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yeah, it's really freaky. But like, if, and sometimes I tell people so that when I start experiencing it, I'm not like, I dreamt this. And they're like, yeah, whatever, you didn't dream this. So I tell them exactly when I had the dream, like I told Marcus about the dream. And now that we're actually going through something very, very similar, I'm like, and he's like, oh, wow, you did dream this. So I don't, I don't sound crazy. 
Interesting. I mean, you can get like prophecies and dreams and visions yeah. and dreams and stuff like that. So that's the way God talks to a lot of even just, yeah, that's why God talks to a lot of people. Yeah. Or yeah, when, wonder, one way God can talk to you. I wonder if deja vu comes from that or if it's just like a man-made scientific thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure that is one of the things the scientists um, <laughs> made up made up or trying to figure <laughs> out. Um, but it actually is a good question that goes along with our topic today. Dun, 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 um, dun. Yes, which is about uh, the church and science or Christians and science, church and science. I did more of the church and science. Um, <laughs> and um, there's just been a long history of kind of seeing how the how science grew and changed and morphed and I say grew up and how the church changed and morphed um alongside it and so but also I feel like especially in today's world we see a lot of um contention between uh Christian ideals and uh science and so I was wondering why y'all think there's so much conflict or tension between science and faith I feel like faith, or at least the way we understand it, is supposed to be something not tangible. Mm -hmm. And science is tangible. So mm -hmm. because we are supposed to be, you know, believing in these things that, that aren't tangible, when there's a, a reason or evidence given, sometimes I feel like people are like, no, it has to be anti-God because God works through the intangible. That's fair. Melina, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'm kind of along the same lines because I looked at that and immediately thought like there's um, like faith asks you to believe something without actually seeing it. Mm -hmm. And um, science is believing something once it's been proven. So with, I think that's where the conflict is. But um like, I know a lot of people struggle with the Bible, even though there's like a lot of historical data and proof that, you know, Jesus was on earth. He did these things. There's like documented things. But then there's also parts of the Bible, like Jonah and the whale. Can someone really live inside of the belly of a whale? So it's like, there's parts of the Bible where you're like, is this just a nice little story? And this didn't really happen mm -hmm. or did it really happen? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So yeah. I think that's why. Yeah, I agree. I think it's difficult to um, look to the Bible and see a lot of like scientific evidence uh, or, or um, that, that came off wrong. The Bible actually doesn't speak a lot about science, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, and so I think that's another space that makes it a little bit harder for people to try to, you know, like go back to your word, go back to your word. But then there's really nothing that it says that says specifically about certain like scientific um findings or you know discoveries um and what but what i think is cool about both of them though is that they take they can take an idea right that is intangible right a lot of science especially as science got developed and started having um the scientific method and um structured research you take it 
an intangible idea and then you in science and then you structure an experiment to prove your thesis to, to prove your thesis and make it show that it's possible mm-hmm. um whereas you know in faith oftentimes god gives you a promise or a vision as in like you know molina's you get a dream and then our job though is not to necessarily our job is to do all we can do to, and then god works the way you know god has to move ultimately and I think that part can make it difficult with science where science is like something we can totally do. Um, but all together though, um, we take these concepts and we have to put our put our trust and faith into something to see if the result's actually gonna prove mm-hmm. its point, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously I'm a, a medical background. So um, as a Christian, and so I believe, you know, my foundation is on, the Bible and Jesus Christ, but I am a big science nerd and geek. And I think those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. So that's the disclaimer in the beginning. Um, but you, but you, as I was researching this topic, it's been really interesting to see just how much, um, the church and science have been intertwined since the beginning. Um, and that's mostly because the church was the political, cultural foundation of societies, especially the, the Catholic church as it swept through Europe. Um, so they pretty much made the decisions. And then as people discover things, it had to be essentially okayed by the Catholic church, um, for it to be like, okay, we accept that as truth. You're good. But I found some kind of old school, I call them the OGs. Um, I didn't go back super duper far, but it was cool to see some kind of people that were in the cutting edge back in the day. So one was that also were involved, like very Mm -hmm. faith-based. So one was St. Albert the Great, and he was in the 1200s. And he's actually the patron saint of scientists. And he made multiple contributions uh, to philosophy, logic, psychology, metaphysics, meteorology, mineralogy, and zoology. And he did a lot of studying off of Aristotle. So a lot of this and around this time was based off of the teaching of uh, the Greek philosopher, Aristotle. Um, And so he actually, St. Albert the Great was the teacher of St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm -hmm. And he was also in the 1200s. And he was an Italian theologian, philosopher, and poet. And he also drew many of his um, ideas from Aristotle, but created new conclusions on the metaphysics of personality, providence, and creation. So he really married the two ideas of um, theology and philosophy. um, And showing those two things can be, once again, not mutually exclusive. And another person was a French priest and philosopher, Jean Buridan. Um, and he developed the theory of impetus, which explained the movement of projectiles and items in free fall, which paved the way for many of the well-known um, scientists that we usually know and study, which is Galileo and Newton's theories of um, those type of science physics <laughs> things that I Choose all them laws remember. of motion. Yes, love, thank you. That's I love it. All of that stuff. <laughs> an Do object you? in motion will stay in motion until acted upon by an outside force. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad y'all remember that. You guys know what Newton's third law is? Go ahead now. Teach the, teach the every, children. Let me say this right. To every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. 
every action 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 to every action is an equal and opposite reaction and I would agree with that. That's not just like physically. I feel like that's, that's just life. a great law of life, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is that's a great life. law of, <laughs> should be called the law of consequences. And yeah. with facts, facts. If he was alive today, that's what he would call that's it. That's what he would call it. He'd be like, this is what happens when. Um, so I thought that was like super cool to um, see how even far back a lot of these these minds go but they were very well based in their faith even some were patron saints and became saints because of their their findings so um that was cool so we fast forward ahead to the protestant reformation which was spurred by martin luther's 99 thesis 95 95 95 thesis um in 1517 and then that lasted through it kind of has different um dates but anywhere from the mid 1500s to the mid 1600s and it says essentially pressed uh protestant reformers essentially pushed the ideal that the bible should be the sole source of spiritual authority and not tradition or the church and so this is where you start seeing factions kind of break from the catholic church Mm -hmm. um and what i found was super interesting was that this at the same time there was a serious scientific revolution going on and um one of those things was that before the reformation the predominant view accepted by scientists and theologians was based all on aristotle's philosophies as we pretty much heard about the the ogs um most of their stuff based was based upon or built on what aristotle said and that's also because the church recognized aristotle's philosophies as okay mm-hmm. um but um, as we move into the Reformation, we start to move from those Aristotle concepts. Um, and both of these revolutions were pushed forward drastically by the printing press being founded in Europe, mm-hmm. um, along with at this time, like the new world was being discovered and there were other um, scientific inventions like the telescope and the barometer that were being made. What the I do find was being colonized, colonized, sorry, not that. discovered, sorry. <laughs> they were not being discovered. <laughs> they were discovering something new. <laughs> it was new to but them. It wasn't, it was new to them, but it wasn't a new place. It didn't appear <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> yes, being colonized. What I found super interesting though, which is, once again goes along with the marriage of science and faith is that the first book that was printed on the Gutenberg press was the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it shows that, you know, science and technology can be married with, or can go along with pushing forward a faith, faith yeah. as well. I mean, we see that today. Like if we think about during the Rona, like without technology, churches wouldn't have been able to function. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. I completely agree. It's like you need these internets and you need mm-hmm. these Zooms. And um we don't have to abandon, we can utilize resources just because mm-hmm. they might not be exactly the way we're used to, aka like the traditional tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, they still can be utilized to our benefit and still be utilized to spread spread the gospel and help yeah um so one of the concepts that i thought was super interesting oh one other thing so the, essentially this 
Protestant, the Protestant Reformation, this Protestant concept of work ethic um, started to expand, extend beyond the church and into the uh, secular vocations. Um, and so people started seeing themselves as um, being able to fulfill their, their duties, not just, or in purpose, not just in church, but in what they do. So finding purpose outside of mm-hmm being associated with, with, um, the church. And so there was actually this one author who wrote on this topic. Um, his book is, his name is Vishal Mangalwadi and his book is called the, the book that made your world, how the Bible created the soul of the Western civilization. And he essentially says, um, talks about the printing press and why it did it really actually make a change? And so his quote was, why then did the, did print, didn't printing have the momentous effect in China or Korea that it had in the West? Um, he writes, printing and books did not reform my continent because our religious philosophies undermined reason, undermined reason. As other historians, philosophers, and anthropologists have noticed, noted, none of these cultures had a God like the God of the Bible who was interested in human destiny. By contrast, the Greek and Roman gods were frivolous and capricious, and Buddhism offers awe and silence in the face of the unknowable. Neither picture of the cosmos affirms the men have inherent value. So in this Protestant Reformation, um, people started seeing their individuality, um, started claiming individuality outside of the church, and that God is okay, like created you to be you to pursue this purpose. And um, that's what pushed forward this kind of this idea of going to innovate and um, not trying to follow what the Catholic Church, I guess, already had structured and mm-hmm. following all those rules. So I found that interesting, because like you said, there was already some form of printing in the, in the East, um, but they didn't have these type of revolutions of, of, um, of, of faith and, and technology in this, in this way. Mm-hmm. So I found that very interesting that he thinks about it as um, the picture of how our, how our God was, how our God is, or our relationship with our God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so uh, there were some conflicting views, though. Um, So before the Reformation, the Catholic Church held the idea that the heavens and universe revolved around the earth. And in 1619, Copernicus argued that the universe was sun-centered. And so the Catholic Church placed a ban on all of Copernicus's writings and made Galileo um, publicly speak out against Copernicus. Um, but then in 1633, Galileo was put on trial and his works essentially to yeah put on trial because he came out and said that, yes, the world revolves around the sun. And uh, he was banned to, and sentenced to house arrest. <laughs> he was banned to house arrest? Yeah. Interesting. Right. Um, and it's just something as simple as like what revol- revolves around what. And so um, it's how well, they- they mm-hmm. didn't they wanted to believe that the heavens is like was around the earth yes that everything okay. revolved around and i found it so funny because it's like a very um everything revolves around me mm-hmm. type of ideal right mm-hmm. and so 
um, you get mad when it's like, no, not everything revolves around us here on this earth. We are actually a minuscule piece of a whole bigger concept, mm-hmm. which is technically what the Bible really is about. Like we're just little, little, yeah. like the Lord cares about us as holy as everything else. But yeah, look at all, look at all that he's made. Sit down, yeah. be humble. As yeah. the, the philosopher Kendrick Lamar once said. <laughs> yes, Kendrick, drop mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting um, to find out about those things. Um, and then some other prominent scientists that were um, Christian or Catholic at that time were also Kepler, Pascal, Boyle. We already talked about Galileo and Newton. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of conflicting ideas. Pardon me if Galileo was even religious, but obviously he tried to go along with the Catholic, what the Catholic Church was saying. Or else you'll be told to stay home forever. Yeah, you get to sit in your house <laughs> and for the rest of you your life. Agree. Yeah, he died at home. He got oh, so sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Galileo was grounded. He was grounded. <laughs> Isn't that not nice? Um, (laughs) um, so the protestant reformation and really you know the printing press these kind of changing ideals which sparked then the 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 age of enlightenment or the enlightenment which was also called aka the age of reason and that was in the late 1600s to the early 1850s around this time you know there are there's lots of movement to the new colonies um, there are lots of movement into, yes, the Americas. There's lots of movement. Well, I guess all the way they spread out. The Europeans started to spread and try to colonize all the things um, and imperialize and all the goodness. Um, there's lots of revolutions. You have the American Revolution and the French Revolution. So it starts to be a lot of um, a lot of kind of movement. And along with that, there were some changes in science and um the philosophy behind religion so here's a summary do y'all know much about the enlightenment once upon a time i did i know same like when Um, was last time i took a history class (laughs) i know that's why this is why i could go down so many rabbit holes y'all i was like oh my gosh and then this happened and then this happened get out um so the enlightenment was a philosophical movement that dominated in europe And it was centered around the idea that reason is the primary source of authority and legitimacy. And it advocated such ideals as liberty, progress, tolerance, fraternity, constitutional government, and the separation of church and state. Have we heard that before? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, So this philosophic movement advocated for societies, for a society based upon reason rather than faith and Catholic doctrine. Um, for a new civil order based on natural law and for science based on experiments and observation. So it was, and I feel like once again, these kind of movements, I don't know if y'all see this, but for me, I see a lot of these movements being based on, they say moving away from like these religious ideals, but I think it's a lot about how uh, the kind of tyrannical hand of the church that was on these nations well at least europe specifically Mm -hmm. um because the catholic church served as essentially everything to the people um Mm -hmm. they had the final say they created laws they said yes or no and so that can kind of change people's perspective about how they even commune with god how to commune with god the way 
the Catholic church said they can, could commune with God. And that was changed in the reformation where it's like, you can actually talk to God yourself. Mm-hmm. Call me crazy. Um, and so I think a lot of these movements were based on the fact that like, I just don't really like the way you govern us church. And I really would like to see something else. That's a little bit different. Yeah. What is it? Uh, so Lightman thinkers sought to curtail the political power of organized religion and thereby prevent another age of intolerant religious war. So the enlightenment prompted the concept of separating church and state. So that is all. And guess, I feel like this was from a, a uh, AP history, an AP history study guide. <laughs> That's fine. So, <laughs> um, so um, a couple... Um, there were like three kind of predominant men behind a lot of these ideals that about church and um, science. One of them was Descartes, Descartes, I forgot, John something, something, I think Descartes, anyway. So he focused on rationalism, which is God displaced from the center of philosophical thought and becomes the guarantor of the reliability of sense experience i didn't really understand what that meant um except for god being displaced from the center of philosophical thought um this is why i was was never interested in being a philosophy major because this just wording is like i don't i don't know (laughs) right um i think it just like god gives us our senses but he doesn't necessarily have to be the center of our thinking okay I don't know. So John Locke had um, used empiricism, the view that the chief source of human knowledge is experience. Um, and so this is a lot of religion in which yeah, reason was held to constrain any appeal to divine revelation. So it's went away from, it went to a lot more of control of self to me. Um, and so I don't want to read this whole thing, but it was really interesting to me. So Kant was another one, Immanuel Kant, and he was from Germany. And this actually kind of really resonated with me. So it's a little bit wordy. So I'm going to try to get to the nitty gritty of it. But he argued that time, space, causation, and substance, among other features of reality, are innate conceptual categories through which the human mind imposes order on experience. There can be no knowledge of matter allegedly existing beyond these categories. Thus, there can be no knowledge of God and hence no theological knowledge. So he really kind of went against theologies. Mm -hmm. Um, So he wrote, wrote off many metaphysical justifications of religion and introduced the concept of religion that arose from his idea of morality. Morality right acts, he held, are those aimed at bringing about the highest good, a state in which people are rewarded with happiness in proportion to the level of virtue they achieve. But one cannot rationally will to bring about the highest good unless one believes that such state is possible, and it is possible only in an eternal eternal afterlife ordered by God. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so I'm, I'm confused. So he's saying that there can be no knowledge of God, but... We can only, yeah. So essentially like we can only do as good as we can believe we can do, but then if we achieve our highest state of good in the afterlife and God is there, like God is not here in the physical. 
so we can he's know that here. so he's saying that god exists we there's nothing that we can know about him because it does not exist on this earth because it doesn't yes. line up with time space causation and substance yes okay right all right <laughs> I just needed to make sure I was following. Well, you know, I, so I was like, this is what happens when you have a lot of time to sit around and just think about things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, that's why, like, who are philosophers now? Do we have no. them? Do they no. exist? I no one has time tanks, for this. I guess that's what a think tank's for. But, but like, think like, tanks, like, think in order to, like, create a product. Exactly. So it's not like a policy like this. Right. Right. <laughs> It's not this. Like, I think that's where I, I am. To think. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know if they're called philosophers anymore, though. I think they're called spiritual leaders now. So, like, there are a lot of people that say things like this. Not like this, because what he's saying, I'm like, I still don't. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who are, like, pulling things from different um, philosophers, but they're called spiritual leaders now. So they just don't have that term anymore. And they you know, write books on this stuff. They write books on like, um, you know, who you are and how you um, um, evolve as a person and what you're here for and like what where joy comes from and, you know, afterlife and all this other stuff. But they're called spiritual, spiritual um, leaders, not philosophers. They have a lot of time on their hand. I think that's fair. People pay them a lot of money to say things like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got yeah. it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so yeah, do you, I, one of my questions after reading all of this was, do y'all feel like you, like any of these ideals that we talked about still are around in our society? Have you, uh, I know they're kind of, they're kind of big and broad. Um, I like what John Locke said, um, that the view that the chief source of human knowledge is experienced. So we're here to experience, like I've heard people say, I've heard spiritual leaders say we're, you know, we're, we're spiritual um, beings having a human experience. And so mm -hmm. like our, you know, our spirit lives on, but like our human body will go back to where it came from, which is the ground. Um, and for whatever you believe, but as Christians, you believe that you came from the dust. Right. And so right. like you, you will, one day return to that, but then your spirit will live on and go on to the afterlife. Um, I don't know. No one's told us what that looks like yet <laughs> mm -hmm. in spirit form, but I, I, I kind of resonated with what he said. And I feel like a lot of people probably teach that in different ways that we are human beings um, here. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And that's what we're here for to learn and to evolve and to um, leave this world a better place I feel, that. It. I feel um, that I feel there's a, I see here a lot of can't and not necessarily faith-based spaces but in society um where it's about like you know just being a good person like it's all mm -hmm. about you're trying to have like, what are your moral and ethics and that's a lot that is talked about in you know workspaces and just in general there are people don't necessarily discuss discuss their faith but they discuss their morals and ethics mm -hmm. um and i think that's relatable across um religions is like what are your baseline morals and yeah. knowing that too like the concept that we'll never be able to achieve here on earth the true full morality that even our 
foundation may be or what we might be established on because we're sinful people. And I know he doesn't really go into that, um, but my thing is more because I live in a fallen world and I'm not Jesus here. So I'm not Jesus. So I'm not going to ever be able to achieve those things. But my goal is to try to mm-hmm. continue to push strive for that and be the goal. So I find that that's a lot talked about a lot. Um, so as I talked about before too, you start seeing kind of science take off, um, and as science takes off, but also like in some ideals change, um, that the church starts to lose grip of its power politically and culturally. Um, and do you feel like that could have contributed to the contention that we even now see between science and religion? Absolutely. When you're you're used to being in power and then something comes in and displaces that power and influence, I mean, it just makes sense to target that new thing and mm-hmm. point out all its flaws and, and make it the, the new villain so that your people will come back to the original power and get your power back. Right. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, I don't know if you guys agree, but I always felt like the church, even from like the more we do these podcasts and we dig deeper, I feel like churches have always had it wrong. (laughs) They've always, I mean, because whenever you force something, like science does not force you, right? Science Mm -hmm. is like, here's the proof, believe it if you want, right? And Mm -hmm. it's kind of open for interpretation and it invites people in and so when you force something on someone like churches have done have done and you want people to stay here and you just want to like you know be in control of everything it doesn't work well you know and it's like even when you look at the bible like jesus he never went to people they came to him like everybody was drawn to him and even the disciples like they went and preached the gospel but they preached where they were sent and where like they were led, but it was always, there was always something drawing them there. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I feel like churches, I don't know what happened. It's like, they just somewhere in history, maybe we'll find it one day. They like, they, they lost the, they lost that, that special um, thing that was once there. Like people are supposed to come to you and you're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to find refuge. there, not like, it's not supposed to be a prison. I mean, yeah. I think that's what happens when you merge religion with empire and, and imperialism. Because it seems mm-hmm. like when Rome, yeah, Rome. when mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. when that happened, you know, the Crusades and everything, killing everybody in the name of Jesus. Um, yeah, it seems like that's when that kind of started. Because, like, even if you think about salvation, it's a gift. Got Jesus doesn't make anybody accept him Mm -hmm. and so there's definitely when you have that that merger with with power and control that shifts the the message yeah Yeah. which makes science more appealing (laughs) because at least y'all got some some evidence yeah (laughs) and you know i can come and not you know yeah you can make it make sense yeah (laughs) yeah i agree with that i completely agree with that um, so we're actually going to jump forward quite a little bit, um, over here to the Americas, um, America. and the, up in America, oh, in Lord, the 19, what did we do? Oh, we, <laughs> listen, and it's so funny. Cause I'm like, I could focus truly on America, but I did not. 
um, because I couldn't get out of the like 1600s, mostly, <laughs> mostly my rabbit holes. But um, so, yeah, so one of the biggest uh, debates that was in America with science versus religion was the um, debate between evolution and creationism. Um, so around a little bit before then, I don't remember when Charles Darwin came out, but he did the theory of evolution um where we you know started off as whatever monkeys and mm-hmm. and then became you know humans and you see how species evolve and morph or what have you but he also had very racist views so i mean whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> just drop that one too um but so schools back then like he was a big like darwinism was a big deal like he had great well not great he had a great power, I would say, or great intrigue and great pool in the scientific world when he was uh, dropping his knowledge. But in 1920, but the especially the Southern states, honey, were not having it because they said <laughs> in Genesis one. OK, hello. And it, they didn't say nothing about no, no monkeys becoming humans. Okay. In the beginning. In the beginning. So <laughs> in 1925, they got mad in 1925. Tennessee passed the Butler Act, which prohibited which prohibited the teaching of the theory of evolution in state schools. Okay, so soon after that, some um, ASCLU, ACLU, whatever, ACLU, that place. So they were back then too. So they were like, "Let's do a lawsuit against this thing." Anywho, all this jibbity jab. But right after this Butler Act gets passed. the uh, a science teacher named John Scopes. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Scopes monkey trial. I've heard about it. Yeah. Um, was put on trial for teaching the theory of evolution in his Tennessee school. Um, he ultimately was found guilty and fined one hundred dollars. I mean, that was <laughs> that was, that a, was lot a lot of then. money back then. It's a yeah. twenty five. Yeah. I mean, I'd be mad at twenty one hundred dollars right now. Hello. Um, <laughs> So, um, so yeah, they were really serious about this. And so soon after, uh, several other states followed up with um, their own laws. I think this, I think I read maybe almost upward of 22 states passed similar laws mm-hmm. um, banning the theory of evolution. Um, and most of them were, you know, Southern. Of course. I was going to say, I learned a form of evolution. I, you probably get into this, but like, was this ever like, did they ever like go back and say, okay, we're going to take this away or is it still in yes. place? No, it's in place. So 1968, okay. the Supreme Court struck down the, um, that laws, those laws as unconstitutional because they established a religious doctrine of violating the first and fourth amendments in the constitution. There were some follow-up um, uh, litigation, like one I saw found as early as, or as recent as like 2000 mid 2000s 10 maybe a six between 16 i remember it was a six or 16 um that was in pennsylvania and they were teaching some type of like intelligence theory and i couldn't really understand it what the intelligent theories was and so there's all these ways that people but it seemed like they're trying to incorporate god back into the um into having it like schools had to teach god as an option of Mm -hmm of a not and not necessarily evolution. So I, I think it got struck down because once again, separation, like for mandating it is not 
they said, you can't mandate that if mm-hmm. a teacher, you know, so, um, so there's lots of legislation that continues to kind of come up about these ideals of what can be, what can and can't be taught um, based on religion, um, about religion, or even, I guess, even about science, um, scientific theories that are continuing to happen. When I was in sixth grade, this makes so much sense, because I've always been like, I'm a science nerd too. So I remember in biology, was that in sixth grade? Yeah, sixth grade. Um, we, you know, we, in New York, you take regents. Did you mm-hmm. take regents too, Jasmine? No, I mean, they were called like, they call them like EOGs here. They're like benchmark tests. So yeah. Okay. So in New York and I think California then are the two states that have to take reasons. Anyway, we had to take a biology reasons. And I remember towards the end of this, the year, we, we were taught on evolution, but evolution wasn't in the form of like, um, we started from like monkeys. It was like how your body has evolved over time so they they you know they stayed on like this bio biology like the the evolution of the like just biology of animals and like the makeup and so I remember they showed like a picture of like a horse's leg and I was so into this I don't know why I still remember this but it was like a horse's leg and how like they believe that like the bone that is above now like near the kneecaps it actually had another leg like it was actually more legs at one point but with time because they didn't need it it actually ended up going away and so like the horse like evolved to only having what you see now and so it talked about like um like even your appendix like sometimes you can get your appendix removed because the body really doesn't need it it was for like when we used to eat when we had a really heavy plant um plant diet right is that right like it was good, like digesting like plants and stuff like that, which we don't necessarily eat as much anymore. So because of that, we don't really need the appendix. And so it was like, that's what the, that's what the evolution um, part of the class was, but I wish they would have went into it, but I didn't know that there were laws. Um, well, there's that. no law banning them from teaching evolution. Um, but I think what probably has happened is that they changed it from like, you know, the concept of creation to like this is how certain species have evolved evolved. it yes Mm -hmm. because yeah and we do see that there's quite quite a bit of evidence once again of yeah and and it makes sense like you know um for adaptivity which is another Mm -hmm. one of his kind of concepts like creatures all all creatures adapt to their environment and because Mm -hmm. of that they evolve to Mm -hmm be able to support and that's why there's the survival of the fittest is another kind of concept that comes from darwinism as well um mm-hmm. and yeah things that they didn't need if they people can those things continue to breed and you yeah you get eaten the slow 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 kind of if you're too slow you're gonna get eat mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that and then you can't procreate Bye-bye. yeah <laughs> i wonder though like people Christians in particular who are so resistant just to the idea of revolution evolution um I wonder if they think like on the ark if like Noah had like one pair of each type of species of dog and each type of species of cat and all of the different types of species because I don't know with all of the different types of animals that just doesn't seem possible I mean the ark was big but there are a lot of animals and a lot of species of animals that we still don't know yeah Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, to me, it makes more sense that there was like an ancestor, a pair of ancestor of dogs. And then over time, they evolved to all the different wild dogs, the wolves, the coyotes, the foxes, all the domestic dogs, the Jack Russells. um, Mm -hmm. I like your I like your (laughs) um, biblical teaching that that works for me because that was actually a question I had growing up. In CCD, I was like, how does this, because, you know, I'm, I'm a science-based nerd. That's how my, my brain thinks. And even back then. And so when I was like, how exactly could they fit every species mm-hmm. of every animal and sustain, feed them for 40 days and 40 nights? Mm-hmm. How does that going to work? How is that going to work? Mm-hmm. No one could even give me the answer. And I was like, this is... <laughs> so what am I supposed to believe what do you want me to believe (laughs) I like your idea I found the picture of the horse's leg I'm so weird it's so weird (laughs) Uh, that's funny that's so funny it's Um, so strange anyway yeah well maybe there weren't as many animals back then though like that goes back to Erica's point but that is the point though that now there are a lot and again so but even like you can see like we know that dinosaurs at one point existed if you see alligators and lizards they are tiny dinosaurs yeah it all makes sense if you believe birds that even birds. birds yes the pterodactyl flying yeah. dinosaurs are ancestors of birds woolly mammoth they look like elephants elephants yep <laughs> just like they them do. I saw they look, I saw they look like their hairy cousins thing today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, so it's, it's, so I feel like we don't have to, once again, like it's just, there's so much that I, there's certain things where I'm like, okay, I don't really find the need to take my time and brain to have to try to like explain how all this stuff went down. Yeah. Like, God created a lot of things and he can continue to create a lot of things. And mm-hmm. so, um, but he also, there's proven here on this earth tangibly that things have, have the ability to morph and change and adapt to their environment. And doesn't it also like speak to the majesty and uh, creativity of our God as well, that like he mm-hmm. creates beings that can adapt and survive and mm-hmm. grow and flourish and they might look different. Um, and so I feel like it's just, once again, you know, human beings, we have to have a specific answer for certain things. And it's like, yeah. who's to say that Adam and Eve weren't on, and this is my concept. So like, you know, y'all don't judge me, but Adam and Eve were on the garden, in the garden of Eden, they had their own little animals, whatever were in the garden. But in my mind, the garden was a beautiful place secluded like it wasn't a floating area, like in, in the middle of nowhere, like it was on earth and there was stuff happening outside of the garden of Eden, but they weren't, didn't have, they didn't know about it because Mm -hmm. they didn't have to live out there. Um, Mm -hmm. and so once, you know, sin peace out, you get kicked out. It's not like they like jumped off the cloud and then like had a flesh (laughs) and find a place to go. Right. They like walked onto another piece of earth and, Mm -hmm. um, and there were still, animals there and vegetation there and mm-hmm. you know they, that's when they had to learn to toil and and grow and raise animals and you know that's where they had to learn how to do those things and survive so it's I think like the bible me, says like he placed them 
in the garden. Like then he yeah. placed mm-hmm. Jesus. So it was like he built the, you know, created the world and then he yeah. placed the Adam and Eve or Adam first in the garden. Right. So it was like he did place them somewhere exactly. outside of what he created. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's like place. he said they he made the world, but I feel like we completely forget the concept of for me, it's like he made the world and then Adam the Garden of Eden is a place on the earth. Yeah. Already. And this was the secluded place specifically for Adam and, and Eve mm-hmm. um, that had some of the things that, you know, everything that they would need, but doesn't necessarily mean they had all of every species of animal or what have you. And then, you know, when they had to leave the garden, they just continued to walk onto this earth, earth that was already made mm-hmm. filled with the things that got already created, but that they didn't necessarily have to come into contact with because they were in the garden. Mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. my thought process mm-hmm. so it's like who's to say dinosaurs weren't out there chilling you know what i mean like who's been. to say who's to say but they didn't have to come in contact with them because you know <laughs> they were chilling in the garden who's to say i don't know it's just me <laughs> evolution is like I, I understand like it being separated from you know the church and you know where we came from as humans and the scientific aspect of it but we all evolve as as people like our thought process changes we're not the same person we are we shouldn't be the same person we are at 20 when we're 50 you know there needs to be like some kind of you know Mm -hmm. evolution that takes place we need to evolve as humans but i just i don't know why that is why the church has um been so against that when that's just our nature in general yeah mentally like we grow closer in christ and where our relationship with him is supposed to evolve and become something you know that it wasn't when we first started following him so i don't know absolutely and so that actually was kind of my question to then look like what do scientists say like about these kind of contentions and how like are scientists christians these days like what what what's the deal are science or not even just christians are they religious do they feel like Mm -hmm. they can have faith and have science too and so um one woman harriet zuckerman reviewed um how american nobel prize winners awarded between 1901 and 1972 and 72 percent of the nobel american nobel prize laureates have been identified from a protestant background um and overall americans of protestant background have won a total of 84.2 percent of all awarded nobel prizes in chemistry 60 percent in medicine 58.6 in um, and and 58.6% in physics. So that's like a pretty fairly good percentage. And um, it just makes me co- confident in the fact that like, you don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I'm glad there are people, I mean, obviously this was a little old, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was actually a really good study that I found in 2016 called Religion Among Scientists and in international context, a new study of scientists in eight regions. Um, and so they actually surveyed biologists and physicists, physicists from France, Hong Kong, Italy, India, Taiwan, Turkey, the United Kingdom, and the US. And so what they found was um, essentially that, this is a little summary that I liked. We uncovered that in the most, in most of the national context studies, scientists are indeed more secular 
in terms of beliefs and practices than those in their respective general populations, although in four of the regional contexts, over half the scientists see themselves as religious. And surprisingly, scientists do not think science is in conflict with religion. Instead, most see religion and science as operating in separate spheres. So they don't even see them as like, mm. <laughs> just see them as two totally separate things, doing their two only totally separate different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but to break that down this a little bit more, they um, were asked some questions like, the scientists like, do you have some religious affiliation? Um, and some, how did you have some religious affiliation at uh, 16 years old? Um, do you consider yourself slightly religious? How often do you, do you attend religious services at least once a week? And so um, America was always kind of on like the bottom third of the answers. Um, the highest um, question percentage that they got was where you had some type of religious affiliation at 16 years old. And that was 16, 60% for the US. What I found quite interesting though, was that India and Turkey always scored the highest um, kind of interchangeably with all these questions about faith-based um, or kind of identifying with a religion and a faith. And then we found that, I found that like France, the US, United Kingdom, I think, what was it? Yeah, they kind of always were pretty low on the totem pole. So, so the more Western, yes. Western European countries. Yep. More of the Western societies had yeah. a more of a disconnect mm-hmm. with, with between science and religion. And then there was one question that says for, for them to answer for me personally, my understanding of science and religion can be described as a relationship of, and it was dot, dot, dot. And then, um, and then their answers are essentially conflict that I consider it's a conflict and they consider themselves to be on the side of, um, religion or to be the, be on the side of science. So they see that science and religion can be described as a conflicting or like not even together. And most of the Western culture said that there is a conflict and they, they see, they seem to be on the side of science. Uh Um, and once again, it was really, yeah, predominantly these Western European based background cultures that had more of this rift, um, between science and, um, and religion, which kind of brings me back to even the beginning where the, that, uh, the Indian author talked about how, like, they didn't have these type of like diverting revolutions in Eastern culture. Um, so are you surprised by any of that? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not surprised that U.S. and like the, the are we the East? What is that? West. We're the West. United West. Okay. Yeah. I'm not surprised that we scored so low um, by that. It doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah. So. Do you, do you have any thoughts, Erica? Uh, I mean, it doesn't surprise me either. Yeah, it, it makes uh, sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel like there's any social institutions like churches or the media that you feel like contribute to these perceived divides between science and religion? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Tell me I mean, more. I think any social institution, like what what is being taught. So I'm thinking about um 
like now with the with the Rona that information or misinformation a lot mm-hmm. has been spread through churches like some mm-hmm. folks have gotten the vaccine because their minister has provided them with information and encouraged them to stay safe and then other people believe that vaccines have microchips in them because their church has told them not to get it and they're not um real christians if they do get the vaccine and they need to repent or wear masks yeah Mm -hmm. so yes um (laughs) and so that's just thinking about the context we're in now but also like we've talked about mental health before like Mm -hmm. not not talking about um, mental health services or comparing or saying like people with mental health issues are demon possessed or saying just pray about it so or not going to to the doctor again with the just pray about it you don't need to go to the doctor for this deadly disease just pray about it (laughs) so nothing and do nothing else Right. So watch your leg, the flesh on your leg continue to be eaten away at that flesh eating bacteria. Yeah, all that. Um, <laughs> so yes, I think. And then it's it's also it's like who do you give? Because I think people, a lot of people see the church and the pastor as equal and stand into God. They feel mm. like if they don't follow these instructions, they are disobeying God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think conflating the two is dangerous that's a good point that's a great point Mm -hmm. that is a great point erica i didn't even think of it as that as such but that is probably that is that's it wow drop mic you hit the nail on the head i mean and it's just kind of interesting because while we don't see the structure of church playing um this political uh, or cultural i'll say cultural power that it did um, you know, back before the Reformation and all that stuff, um, it still holds, it's changed. It looks a little bit different, mm-hmm. but it still holds that type of weight. And then, like you said, because these these people in positions of power are now equated to, to God. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think also, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not too knowledgeable on how, like, India, Turkey, um, countries over there on like the Asian culture and like um Asian continent what am I trying to say eastern cultures eastern cultures I'm not really sure how um or if they have used the bible or church to control but I know that with the western culture that has been a thing like they've used the Mm -hmm. church to control people um in Rome, we see it, you see it a lot in slavery where like the Bible was taken out of context to enslave people is, I wonder if there's a correlation with that, with these numbers, because it's been a source of power and not a source of like, um, safety. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Eastern culture is like that, or if there's any, you know, documented, um, stuff saying that you know they use the bible or church to like push an agenda but you definitely see that a lot here now like erica was saying so i wonder if that correlates with like the numbers that you were um, saying like you know the u.s and europe scored so low on um i wonder if that had something to do with it um i'm pretty sure 
I don't know much about, I mean, I don't know much about them either that I would want to speak, you know, yeah. on their and record. And that's why I'm like, I don't know. It, but I would believe that their religions. I can speak for like, so for my country, like um, in Eritrea, um, Christianity, I want to say is like the number one religion. Like most of the citizens are Christian. Then I think it's Muslim or it might be, I don't even know, honestly, but I know Christianity, Muslim and Catholic Catholicism is like up there. And, um, but everybody is free to worship the way that they want. And it's, mm-hmm. ne- it was never like, a, it's not competing. Like they don't compete. They kind of stay within their own lane. Um, but then again, they were also colonized by Turkey. So, you know what I mean? So like they were colonized by a European country, but, and then Italy. So it's like, I don't know if that, if that helps, but I don't know if like religion was a sort used as a source of like power there. I mean, I don't know about Turkey per se, but the a lot more of the like I think of like the Hinduism, mm-hmm. um, was it Tao Tao Buddhism? Is it mm-hmm. Tao? Yeah, that sounds Taoism. Taoism. And I think I feel like I'm missing a another big one. Um, but they have a like a kind of just yeah a very kind of a different different flow Mm -hmm. and different relationship between their god or gods Mm -hmm. and their people um turkey i'm actually kind of curious about because it's in a place where kind of all the religions came to be Mm -hmm. um and so it is like and i don't know what the predominant religion is in turkey i don't know if it is just a cultural melting pot but there were for quite a while, all of the major, like the three big, three major religions, mm-hmm. um, Catholicism, uh, uh, Islam and mm-hmm. Judaism all existed in Turkey, mm-hmm. um, Ottoman empire style. So I don't know. I don't... <laughs> Hello nerd. Um, so I don't, I, like, I really don't know. And I don't know if they all still coexist. Like, I don't, I don't know how that, how that works, but yeah, and it's a, definitely something to look at, in, into more. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, and I wish I had more information on it so that I could say like, these are things we could take from them, but I don't, sorry, kids research <laughs> on your own. Um, but what do y'all think that can be done or steps that we can take to try to help these two things coexist better moving forward? I think you just have to be open. I mean, I, you know, I, be- I don't feel like at this stage in my life, anyone could shape my belief. Um, it would have to be God himself. Anyone can what your belief? Shake shake like you know like my foundation and what I what I believe in Mm -hmm. um and I so I feel like you know I'm not threatened by science I actually welcome it and I love it when the two intersect but then when they don't I'm just like "Mm, okay this is where faith kicks in it's 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 written it's said I'm gonna believe it you know until I don't anymore which won't happen so it's like you know it's beautiful when like you can um (laughs) it's beautiful when you can um when the two can merge but if they don't then I think that's okay too so I don't know 
I don't, I don't, I'm not scared by like the scientific, you know, stuff. I don't know. I think sometimes Christians think that the Bible is the only source of truth. Like if it's not in the Bible, it can't be true. Mm-hmm. But like, is gravity ever mentioned in the Bible? We know that gravity is a, a thing. So I think we need to kind of rethink that, that truth can be found other places, you know, if it doesn't contradict with the Bible. But even in that, again, we've talked about this time context, like, is it something that Jesus is saying? Or I think truth can con- contradict what Paul is saying, because we've talked about that sometimes. Right. Sometimes right. Paul be on one. Um but yes, is the truth that exists contradicting God and Jesus? If it's not, like science can stand on its own with, again, with, with the gravity. We know that gravity is a thing. Can't find any mention of gravity in the Bible. That doesn't mean that gravity isn't true. Right. So I think, yeah, we just need to use reason. God gave us brains for a reason. And choice. <laughs> and choice for a reason. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I, I hope moving forward that, um, and I don't know if it's just, you know, I guess human nature that people it's more, I guess takes more brain cell. I don't That sounds really mean, not nice. It'll, more energy, um, to try to kind of intertwine what feels like conflicting ideas in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree if we use, we utilize reason and, um, also not forget that God uses people and their giftings Mm -hmm. to, um, help bring his light to the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure someone who lives, um, not across the street from where they work is very grateful for the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And the technological advances that they can hop into their hop into a vehicle, drive on down, drive on down the street to get to their get to their place of work and then back home. You know, like there's lots of ways that technology has been technology science has moved us forward as a society in general that I don't think people even realize to just take it as for granted. Oh, the electricity that's running, keeping your lights on, the water that's even coming through these pipes. All these are scientific advancements. Um, and so we are living in a, in a world that has been made better by these things. Um, and so I hope people can just see this simplicity and like, it's not always this nefarious, malicious kind of ominous looming thing that's out to to get us it's a thing most people most people use science despite what their religious background is use science to try to make this world a better place Mm -hmm. and then you can figure out if you want to utilize those technologies or not i bet you ain't gonna throw your iphone away that's that's the thing also stop telling your kids to go off to school and be a doctor if you're not even gonna believe them after they actually do it (laughs) 
Let's talk about it. <laughs> Having them go through all this school and then be like, try to nah. challenge all their right. years of education. Don't do that. Because listen, medical and school expensive. is expensive. You're and not expensive. about to have me do this and you ain't even gonna listen to anything I have to say after this. No. Right. Like, <laughs> why did we all go through this journey? <laughs> this seems like a bad, this was all bad. Yes. <laughs> I'm broke and sad and have I all this be in knowledge. I want to be in the first place. <laughs> But here you go. <laughs> like them signs. Did they pray for you? Did they pray for you? No. Um, right. <laughs> All that secular knowledge. Right. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> And let's Woo. be honest. Yes. And uh, for all the people out there, you know, listening, I just want them to know that, you know, it's okay to do both, mm-hmm. be both and utilize your faith move to to make reasonable and rational decisions luke was a physician boop (laughs) and oh my gosh so this is a full side note but yes so i'm rereading luke right now and like the very first chapter he essentially talked it's i forget what the blurb says but he like he wasn't a disciple um he he was rolling with paul so he but he still wrote one of the gospels and so he went back and like interviewed meticulously all the people who like stories upon stories upon stories to be able to, and people upon people to get these stories to be able to then tell his, his gospel. Hmm. That takes a lot of time, effort, um, being very methodical, detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very science-based. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was very telling of his uh, background as a physician and um it's like and now you're reading his gospel and most people didn't even know luke wasn't a disciple yeah I, that is i was today years old when <laughs> i found that out i'm like erica i had no idea well i was like <laughs> yesterday's years old when i found out as well um but i was like look at that like he he was but but that's through care time being meticulous and detail oriented and he gave us this this word that's that we believe is god ordained Mm-hmm. so why can't these other new and that's the basis of science right there so why can't all these other new advances um why can't there be anything else new that's science-based that can't be from god as well listen everything is from god okay exactly so we'll leave y'all with that nugget <laughs> <laughs> we need actual sound effects but i know um, we'll figure out how to use those yeah, one day, maybe yeah. season, maybe season four. Um, <laughs> but until then, thank you all again for tuning into another episode of Church Days. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Church Days. Leave us a comment. What are your thoughts about faith and science? You can share, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever pods are casted. And per usual, special shout out to Caroline, our production assistant and intern. And we will catch y'all next time. Bye. Peace out. Bye.